0: All right, 42% below um, current levels by 2030. That's the guideline that the federal government announced yesterday as part of their new climate plan 2030. Um, Environment Minister of Alberta called the announcement insane, saying it's a direct attack on the energy industry and it will result in devastating economic consequences all across the country. And in the end, he says it won't make a difference on the environmental file anyway. Rachel Notley coming on saying it's a fantasy not going to happen. Um, Not a lot of support from the political parties in Alberta. Um, Industry in Alberta, a little more measured in their response. But let's get some insight into how this might work. We're going to chat with Brian Helfenbaum, who's the Executive Director of Advanced Hydrocarbons at Alberta Innovates. Um, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me. Now, this is exactly what you do, right? You work with industry and government in an effort to try and achieve these, these targeted reductions that we hear about in emissions. So, so when you hear insane and a fantasy from the politicians of the province, do Nixon and Nolly have it right? Do you agree? Is it insane? Is it a fantasy? <laughs> um, so I
1: probably wouldn't use those words. I'll characterize it as extremely ambitious. Yeah. The, 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 the devil is in the details, and there were a couple of key numbers that were missing. So it's really hard to say. Now, regardless, even if those numbers come in more favorable, it's still going to be extremely challenging to meet that level of reduction by 2030.
0: How big of a change is it in, in the targeted goals? How, how much does it move the needle? Like, what was the plan prior to yesterday?
1: Well, so, uh, so the plan, I mean, we haven't had provincial and federal al- alignment on, on a planned reduction for quite some time. The, uh, the plan has continued to be to, to reduce emissions, and there's a lot of work underway, as you point out, in a lot of different areas to, to meet different targets. So, uh, And as noted in the report itself, industry has done a commendable job in many ways. They've reduced uh, emissions intensity by 20% over the last 15 years or so. And so there, and then on the um, uh, methane reduction, they are poised to meet the 45 percent reduction by 2025, which was extremely ambitious when it was launched. So, so there's some there's a good track record in place, but the level of reduction seen here is, is tremendous because as emissions intensity has reduced overall emissions have continued to increase because of overall growth in the sector.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Brian. When, you, when he talks about, you know, 26% of um, Canada's emissions come from the oil and gas industry, um, the, the fact of the matter is it's one of the sectors, and there were a bunch of them listed yesterday, but it's one of the few sectors, if not the only sector, sector where we've actually seen emissions increasing in recent years, right, in terms of how many per year kind of thing. In order to scale
1: it back, you've got to go even farther. That's right. I mean, absolute emissions have grown by 137% since 2005, as much as the intensity has has reduced. Now, there are some some positives here. A recent U of C, U of T, Stanford study showed that some oil fans assets are actually competitive with the average U.S. barrel. Um, But, you know, as long as this sector has a larger proportion of emissions than it does GDP, it's always going to have a target on it.
0: Industry was a little more measured in their response. Nobody was talking about it being insane or a fantasy or anything like that. They were saying, you know what, it, it's a lot, and but they need to take a closer look at it. Now, this industry has already done a lot of work and talked a lot about understanding the importance of reducing emissions, right? So um, they weren't quite as drastic in their response as politics uh, politicians were.
1: Yes, from what I've heard so far, I would agree. And, and as I said, they've been working on a number of technologies. So, so the positive here is there are some big rock opportunities that could get moving with the right policy in place. And, and the, the best example of that is carbon capture, utilization and storage. And there is mention of a CCUS tax credit that is coming. And if that is indeed as large as industry is hoping, and I, and I can't tell you what number that might be, but that could really spur some very significant activity. And, and so there's a, there's a positive there in the sense that that could really create a, a whole bunch of jobs if that tax credit is large enough to really allow industry to sanction these projects. Because these, these, they're very big projects. They would have very significant emissions reduction. And they'd create a lot of jobs in the process, too.
0: That was one of the points made by uh, politicians in Alberta yesterday. If you really want to get serious about this, it's, you know, if you want to actually work towards these kinds of goals, it's going to require massive investment by the government with industry to make this happen. Um, not a lot of talk of that in the plan, but you're saying that, yeah, there is uh, some opportunity. There is some possibility to make major gains here, but it's not going to be cheap.
1: That's right. So they do mention the tax credit. I believe we're going to see that in the next month or so to understand exactly what that is. And, and again, it's hard to speculate. If it's, yeah. if it's small, then it, it may not have the desired impact. But if it's significant, then it, it could help put those projects right over the edge and, and get them sanctioned and moving. And then there's a whole bunch of other opportunities out there that are, that are quite meaningful, whether it's hydrogen, solvent, bitumen beyond combustion, geothermal. right there, there's, there's a significant list of opportunities. A lot of what industry has done to date, I would characterize as being incremental. And they've, they've done a whole bunch of incremental innovations that have had a, you know, a measurable change. But those opportunities that I list there are, are much, much more significant, but they're also much, much more capital intensive. So to your point, they are going to need some government support in, in whatever form that looks like to start to move those along. However, even if... They do start to move as they are big opportunities they 're going to take some time to actually execute, so even with the right support in place it 's still going to be pretty challenging to meet those targets by twenty thirty um,
0: What would be more reasonable I mean and I know you 're not going to be setting policy, but just in terms of the forty two percent does that seem wildly out of range to you I mean, or is it sort of the high end of possible, like what would you put a number on that would be a little more reasonable when we're hearing, you know, a lot of Alberta people saying this is, this is completely out of whack with reality here? Oh, um, I, I'd be
1: reluctant to put a yeah. number. I would characterize the 42 as the very high end of credibility, but, but still credible and based on some modeling with some very optimistic assumptions built into it. So if there can be significant alignment. Um, then we can maybe get close to that neighborhood. Hitting 42 is going to be very, very challenging. Okay. Uh, Brian,
0: great insight. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. That is Brian Helfenbaum, who is the Executive Director of Advanced Hydrocarbons at Alberta Innovates. And we brought him on today because literally this is what he does. He, he works with industry and government in sort of, um, you know, working the industry towards trying to meet some of these targeted goals. I, the question that I have in all of this is, is this more bold proclamations that have a disconnect from what's reasonable. that That's the issue that I always have whenever we talk about climate change versus oil and gas. And, and I'm not a climate change denier, and I recognize that oil and gas has a role to play here, and, and I'm all on board with transitional economy green energy transition, all that stuff. The issue I always have is, it seems like we get too far out in front of ourselves, and, and we make broad proclamations and promises that just aren't realistic. And I would think, basically, what we're seeing right now with the situation in Eastern Europe, that was a bit of a reality check, I think, for a lot of people realizing that, okay, we've got too far down the road here in some areas, we're still heavily reliant on hydrocarbons and heavily reliant on Russian hydrocarbons. And there's been this huge conversation about how Europe's far too dependent and all the rest. And um, you know, that's the reality that a lot of people think cropped up over the past month or so and would have reset the environmental discussion. So I was kind of surprised yesterday when the federal government comes out and and moves the goalposts a whole lot closer and says, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do more, and we're going to do it faster. So I don't know. Uh, We'll see how it works out. I mean, is it just another one of these, you know, to to Jason Nixon's point, the, the federal government's made all kinds of promises like this and never met one of them. Is this another example of that? Just standing on the world stage and say, look what we're doing, look what we're doing, look what we're doing, when in reality, it's not even possible to do? I hope not. I hope not. I mean, credibility becomes an issue at some point.